welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message. God, I pray today, Lord, may my lips be like the pen of a ready writer. I pray today, God, the very oracles of God would go forth. And Lord, I pray that I would not speak out of my flesh, but I would speak by the Spirit of God through me. And so, Lord, not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. But I pray that there would be an answer to prayer today. There would be a shifting that's taking place. That you are making crooked paths straight. That you are moving mountains out of the way. And you are preparing a way. I speak favor right now in Jesus' name. Do what only you can do. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Well, who's happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Why don't you look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm so glad you came to church today. Amen. All right. Well, you may be seated. I know I say it every week, but it's the word of God. So I love it when David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So if you came in here grumpy today, I believe that you will leave here with joy. Let me all know there is joy in the house of the Lord. I believe this. You may have came in without an answer, but I believe today you're going to leave here with the answer of what God has in store for your life. Amen? Hey, I want to tell you some great things that are happening here at AOL uh, that have just happened this week. And I want to tell you this also, too, that uh, we missed you last week. And... uh, we were on family vacation, had a big time at the lake, had Noel down with us, and uh, he was, uh, uh, got back from being on vacation with us, but he sends love to each and every, he said, hey dad, tell everybody that I love them, and I said, I will. So our Marine is back in Washington and D.C. and doing his thing, praise the Lord. Aren't you thankful for, for godly men in the, the, the Marine Corps, Amen. But I did torture him on the tube a few times and uh, gave him a bloody nose or two, so it was a big time. He gave me one, though. Oh, my Lord. Brandy was driving the boat, and I swear, when she's behind the wheel, she is trying to kill me. And uh, his, his, he hit me in the jaw. Oh, my Lord. I'm still struggling from it. But praise the Lord. But uh, anyways, we're, we're, we're so glad to be home. But I want to tell you some great things that happened right before we went on vacation there's some people that I shot horses, uh, shot horses for for years, and he called me and said, hey, I want you to come see my brother in hospice. I went up there and saw him. This is a few days before he took his last breath. I, I had the opportunity to share the gospel with him. He had never received Jesus ever in his life, and I asked him point blankly, I said, if you was to die today, would he- heaven be your home or hell be your home? And he said, I'd go straight to hell. And uh, it's not funny, JC. <laughs> And uh, anyways, I was able to uh, share, share the good news with him, and he gave his life to Christ. And yesterday we had, this place was packed full of people that heard the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's give the Lord a hand for that. Amen. Yeah. Got to go to heaven. Amen. Another thing uh, that's exciting over the last couple of days, we've been, uh, Trey Johnson's been here. How many of y'all know the ministry of Trey Johnson? Amen. Love Trey Johnson. I said, why don't you preach Sunday? And he's roping at the Spicer Grip. But Trey Johnson and Justin Davis were down here doing a roping school. Uh, Justin and 
or Jared and Sh- uh, Shannon Rowley, they, um, they had them in. New Beginnings Roping School, and our, our church hosted it here and uh, fed kids up at the Grip Building, had Roping School down at the arena. And I want to tell you, Friday night, 13 came forward to receive Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> and we baptized two of them yesterday, turned the water, the water tank on. And so uh, definitely excited about what, what God's doing in this house. I also want to tell you, too, that the, uh, the Lord's doing great things all across Texas. We were on the lake um, last Sunday. Um, I know we were like 21st century Christians. We were on the lake instead of at church. Isn't that terrible? But uh, we, we had the day off, and we were at this place called Boat Town Burgers. And um, anyways, this guy kept looking at me across the way. Well, I got up to go get something to drink, and I walked by him, and he grabbed me by the elbow. He goes, are you taking the day off? And I said, yeah, aren't we all? I didn't even have a shirt on, just had my, my swim trunks on. He said, I've been looking across there, and I, he goes, you're a preacher. And I went, do I have my preacher shirt on? What's going on? Or my preacher speedo? And uh, <clears throat> he said, he said, no. He said, uh, you're a pastor. And the reason that I figured it out was a couple years ago, you preached a sermon on your stage where you roped a dummy and you preached on faith. You know, that's gone to like a million views on Facebook or something like that. But uh, he, he said, I just want to tell you that your ministry, you tell your people back at AOL that that ministry, that church is being preached all over the state of Texas. And I've, I've, uh, I've shared that video with so many of my friends. And so anyways, isn't that awesome? I also want to share this with you too as well. Uh, it, it's going across the world Wednesday. So uh, would you all, uh, Pastors Ty and Luann and Dacia, you're going. Uh, Belinda's going. Yeah, uh, oh, where, where's uh, Dana? Oh, she was in the first service? Why don't you all come up here? We'll, where, what? Oh, she's, bless her. Give her a hand for being back in tune. Y'all come up here. Y'all come up here. Y'all stretch your hands out towards these. We're going to pray for these. They're headed to Africa. Uh, they're going to Uganda Wednesday, and so AOL's going across the world, amen? So why don't you just stretch your hands out towards these? No, stand here in front of me. You don't even give me a sign. I'm going to pray for you, all right? Well, God, in Jesus' name, we get an agreement as a body of Christ, and we pray right now, Lord, that you would use them as vessels. Lord, we pray your angel protection over them to keep them in all your ways, that no evil befall them, no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Uh, I just pray that as they travel, Lord, all the way over there and all the way back, your angels will be round about them. Lord, we just pray that as they minister, that the very oracles of God would speak through them. Lord, I just pray that they would have favor upon their life. Lord, I pray that every eye would see and every ear would hear. Every uh, mute person would speak, every deaf person would hear, and every lame would walk. I pray that the dead would be raised to life. Lord, not only all of these things in the spiritual realm, uh, but also in the physical realm. I pray, Lord, that signs and wonders will be done through them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Give the Lord a hand this morning. Y'all bring your kids next week. We're going to pray for them, send them off to school. How many of y'all know we need to uh, believe God for, um, that the hand of God would be upon them and protect them and, and lead them and guide them? If you have your Bibles, open them to the book of Ezekiel. And um, how many of y'all ready for the word today? 
Let me say that one more time. How many of y'all ready for the word today? Well, in Ezekiel chapter 9, I'm going to give you some context, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to start a brand new series here. And I, I've been struggling with this, but it's been in my heart of, of to pre- go ahead and preach this. It was a couple of weeks ago, Sharon Whipple, are you here? Oh, man, I hate it when I talk about people and they're not here. Um, I'm sure it's something important. They're always in the house of the Lord. But John and Sharon Whipple, they're always usually in the second service. She came to me after a second service uh, one Sunday, and she said this last week I was praying, and I saw this in Ezekiel, and the Lord wanted, wanted to tell me, uh, told me, I want a mark on my life, and I believe there's a mark on yours. And so I'm going to be talking about marked, and y'all, y'all, uh, y'all be here through all of it because I'm going to talk about some things that really need to be talked about, not only in the church, but inside of our nation. But, and, and I'm going to give you some context here. If, open your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 9. Ezekiel chapter 9. It's page 885 in my Bible, all right? 1060 in his. What, did you say 11 something? 1253 in hers. Do I have a 1400 anywhere? Anybody? All right. If you got 1400, you got that real big large print. You got that. Oh, really? Let's go. <laughs> Amen. Put on her glasses. You can see into the future. Praise the Lord. Um, so this is a particular time in history. If you, if you don't know anything about the word of God and how it starts off with the books of the law, and then it talks about some historical books and some some poetry, and then it goes into major prophets and minor prophets. And the major prophets are, are books like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and and then there's some minor prophets. And not that one prophet was more powerful than the other, that's just they had more to say. And uh, the time right here where Ezekiel is, this is a time where, uh, you, you if you go back to the, the, the book of the law, you see this where Moses has a nephew, where Moses takes him out of the... the uh, Egypt, and he takes them, uh, and then they're in the hand of Joshua. They cross the Jordan into Jericho, and, and God leads God's people from the promise that he gave to Abraham, and he told them that, I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. And so God uses them, and then God blesses them because the hand of the Lord is upon them. But just like us, uh, sometimes we get comfortable in our walk with Christ. Lots of times people come to me and says, I can't believe the Lord is allowing this to happen. Well, you begin to look at their life and the way that they're living it. You see, it's nothing of the Lord's doing, but it's everything of your doing of opening doors. How many of y'all know the word says, he who abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Right? But we've got to be in that secret place. And so the Israelites, the hand of the Lord becomes off of them because they're doing their own thing. They're not living by the principles and teachings of the word of God. And so God says, that's it. I'm going to allow people to come in and take over your country. So Nebuchadnezzar, there was a king to the north and a place called Babylon. And so he comes down to the south there and he takes a group of people. The first group that he takes, there's four people that we know of in the Bible. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he takes these, he, there's more than just them, but what he does is, and this is what we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks. We're going to look at this culture that we're living in. He takes them back to Babylon, but there is still a spirit of Babylon that is in the earth today. I'm going to say that again. There is still a spirit of Babylon that is in the earth today. Because what the king says is, I am not going to hurt you. I'm not going to have brutality towards you. What I'm going to do is, is influence you with carnality. 
Because one thing that you needed to know was around the city was big walls and there was big skyscrapers. And in fact, at one time, when Nebuchadnezzar, the, the, uh, when he was reign over that, he, had, he would have all of these different gardens and plants from all over the world. And at one time, it was a wonder of the world. And it ooed them in. Isn't that exactly what sin is? It looks good. It feels good, and it, and it take, makes you draw away. So these people of God that ate a certain thing, they, they did particular things in their culture that, were, that, that was God-ordained, that asked them to do. Now they go to a different place, and they said, you may eat this. Look at our, You can already see it in Daniel chapter 1. We're going to go there next week. In Daniel chapter 1, they said, this is what you're going to eat now. This is what you're going to drink now. This is how you're going to think. This is what you're going to do. That's the spirit of Babylon. Can I tell you, we're in the spirit of Babylon in America today. It's totally against and contrary to the teachings of the word of God. I'm going to talk about some things like, what do you do when you have your daughter or your son come home and say, hey, I started hanging around this friend and I'm not sure if they're fill in the blank. L, G, B, Q, or T. One of those things. Because how many of y'all know God's called us to be influencers? God's not called us to be judgers. God's called us to walk in love. Well, pastor, we're not under the law. I want you to think about Jesus. He didn't. He took the law and he raised the bar even higher. He said this. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, he came for grace and truth. See, I see a vein in Christians today where it's truth, 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 truth. And then you see a vein where it's grace, 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 grace. But can I tell you, we've got to have both grace and truth if we're going to speak to the spirit of Babylon. What Jesus come in and do with the law, he said, he said you're right, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I tell you, even if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, he raised the bar even higher. How many of y'all know that is truth? That is uncompromised word. And so during this... This, so this is where they are in Babylon. We're going to talk about all these things. There's the spirit of Babylon that's in the earth today. And so uh, when we read the book of Daniel, we see this, that uh, there's these Hebrew children. And then there's another phase. They still don't get their hearts right. And so Nebuchadnezzar, another Persian king, he comes down into Jerusalem. He takes another wave of them. It actually happens a third time, and he blows Jerusalem up. But the second wave... He grabs a prophet by the name of Ezekiel. And this is where we pick up right here. And so God is now using this man named Ezekiel who is a prophet. And he is speaking to the people that are in captivity in Babylon that still want to make the right choice and do the right thing. How many of y'all would say that even though we live in a Babylonian culture that is going to hell in a handbasket, there are some Ezekiels in the room that are going to stand up to the Word of God and say, I'm going to be marked by what the Word of God has to say, and I'm going to do what the Word of God has, has for me to do. So if you read like the book of Isaiah, you see it's a prophet who declared the salvation of God. When you read the book of Jeremiah, you see a prophet who declared the judgment of God. But when you read the book of Ezekiel, you see a prophet who, who, who prophesies the mystery and the majesty of God. And in Ezekiel chapter 1, you see that he is in exile there. And he has a vision of what Apostle John saw in Revelation chapter 4. Of four faces behind the throne. The face of the lion. The face of uh, the ox. The face of the man. And the face of the eagle. So the Lord begins to speak to him. And this is what I want you to speak to the people. Think about it right now. I believe we're in the same deal today. 
I'm not calling myself Joel, but I'm speaking to some people of God that may be living in a Babylon world, but still want to do what's right for them and their family. And so this is what, what happens. Verse 1. Ezekiel 9 verse 1, then I heard him cry out with a thunderous voice, saying, approach now executioners of the city, each with his weapon of destruction in his hand. Behold, six men, everybody say six, six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his battle axe in his hand, and among them was a certain man, everybody say certain, a certain man clothed in linen with a scribe's writing case at his side. They entered and stood beside the bronze altar. So he's talking about these six people. Remember, they're in a place that they're under heavy persecution. They're in a place at this particular time where there is people that are against their ways and against their culture. And he says, I am sending six and I'm sending one clothed in linen. Well, I think, I think the one clothed in linen is the Holy Spirit. And I believe the other six are angels. In 1 Thessalonians, to give you some context of this, in 2 Thessalonians, Paul's writing to Thessalonica, and he tells them they're under persecution the same as they are during the days of Ezekiel. And he says in verse 7, And to give relief to you who are distressed, and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus is revealed, from heaven with his mighty angels in a flame of fire, dealing out vengeance to those who do not know God, to those who who ignore and refuse to obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Aren't you thankful for angels that are charged over you to keep you in all your ways, that no evil befalls you? Let's say that one more time. Y'all need to wake up in here. How many of y'all thankful for angels that are charged over you? So he goes to verse 3. He says, Then the Shekinah glory and brilliance of God of Israel went up from the cherubim of, on which it had rested, to stand above the threshold of the Lord's temple. And the Lord called to the man clothed with linen who had the scribe's writing case at his side. The Lord said to him, go through the midst of the city throughout all of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and grieve over all the repulsive acts which are being committed in it. So the Holy Spirit, what he is doing is going throughout the land of these Israelites in a pagan culture... And he's telling him, and, and what he's doing is he's putting a mark on the ones that are still standing up for what's true and noble and of a good report. Standing up for the things that are right in the word of God. And so he says to the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, he said, I want you to put a mark on those. You know what it reminds me of in Revelation chapter 7? When the tribulation is here, uh, the Bible says that there will be 12,000 Jews, 12,000 from each tribe making 144,000, and they will be dispersed throughout the earth, and they will preach the gospel during the time of tribulation. But what's amazing about that to me is at the very end of the book of the tribulation, you see this, that all 144,000 are spared. Not 143,999 but 144,000. Can I tell you this? When you wear the mark of Christ, he will spare your life. Can you hear me this morning? And so, it goes to verse 5, and I'm going to preach here in a minute. But the others I heard him say, follow him throughout the city and strike. Do not let your eyes have pity and do not spare. Listen to this. I know this is hard teaching. You may not hear this down the road, but you're going to hear it in this house. 
This is an, these are angels of God and this is the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Lord is telling them to do. He said, utterly slay old men, young men, maidens, little children, and women. He says, but do not touch or go near anyone on whom is the mark. And it's something here. He, then he says, begin at my sanctuary. I think you made the right decision to be in the house of the Lord today. Because he said, I want you to start the ones that's wearing the mark. He said, I want you to start in that sanctuary. And I, can I tell you right now, even though you're in the sanctuary, doesn't mean that you bear the mark. He said, I just want you to start there. He said, so they began with the old men who were in front of the temple, who did not have the Lord's mark on their forehead. I want to ask you the question this morning, are you wearing the mark? As I thought about this mark, and I've been, been going over it inside of my spirit, one of the things that stood out to me was in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. He said, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed or marked in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. I want to tell you in this room today, you are marked. You're either marked with the Spirit or you're marked with the flesh. You're either marked with righteousness or you're marked with unrighteousness. You're either marked with love or you're marked with fear. You're either marked with victory or you're marked with defeat. I don't know about you, but I want the mark of the Spirit on me. I'm going to say that again. I don't know about you, but I want the mark of the Spirit on me. As I parent my kids and as I'm a father, I want the mark of the Spirit on me. As I go to my job... I want the mark of the Spirit on me. I was thinking about this. Isn't it amazing? I spent the last week with my dad. My parents came down uh, from Colorado. My parents pastor a great church up in Longmont, Colorado. And they were down with us down at the lake last week. And as I spent time with my dad, I, remi I was reminded of how much I am like him. How many of y'all have ever done that before? You look in the mirror, you say something to your children, and you're like, oh, my word, I'm a clone. Right? Like, I, I may not look like my dad because I've got 100 pounds on him for sure. Maybe a little bit more after uh, vacation. But um, uh, because we got Bluebell and we tried all the new ones. You know they have banana pudding ice cream? It's so good, but it is demonic. I'm like, can we eat the whole gallon tonight? H-E-B is just right down the road. Praise God. Glory to God. It got all over me. All right. Dr. Pepper float, what in the world? But anyways, um, I don't know. See, the mark of the flesh just got all over me there, y'all. But just listening to my dad and him, him interact with my kids and things that he says. and I, I mean, we say the same stuff. In the first service, if you know my nephew, Creed Busby, uh, you know this about him. He was definitely marked by his daddy. Like, you didn't, we didn't have to have a DNA test of who his daddy was, for sure. He looked just like his father. And his daddy looks like his daddy. It's like these, uh, I, I mean, it's cloning what happens in the Busby family more than anything else. And uh, just like my older brother, Michael, he has a widow's peak, like Eddie Munster. Y'all remember the Munsters? I used to watch the Munsters uh, when I was a kid on Nick at Night. But uh, had had the widow's peak. My dad has a widow's peak, so he marked him. I think about Pastor Ty and Luann of, you know, I have great parents, but I'm thankful for them as a mom and dad into my life. What a blessing, what, a, what an honor. I, I was thinking about Pastor Ty, how he's marked me. I've never, I never played golf in my life, even in high school. 
But now I play golf all the time. I love the sport of rodeo. I think that's marks he put on me. There was things that he did when he passed through this church that drove me absolutely bonkers. I do the same thing today. Those things that drove me crazy about him, you know why? Because he marked me. Amen? How many of y'all know there's some good marks and there's some bad marks? Right? Thank God for marks, all right? Uh, see, like when I, look at, when I look at Creed Busby and think about his dad, I, it's vi- visible evidence of who he belongs to. Oh, I might run down the aisle. Because I want you to think about this. I want you to think about it in the context of this story, Ezekiel. Put a mark on those who bear my name. I want you to think about the mark of Creed Busby here. He looks like his daddy, who he belongs to. I want you to ask you the same question. Is there a mark on your life where everybody outside of these walls right here, they say, he belongs to Jesus. I know where he's been. He's been in the presence of God. I, when when uh, I think about markings, I think about plants and trees in our home. We love... We, we have a lot of trees at our house, and we have lots of plants. Brandy does. I kill them all when she's gone. But there was a tree that we had that, that had some special markings on it in our home in Puckett, and it was an umbrella catalpa tree. And now every time I get around a catalpa, or an umbrella catalpa tree, I know exactly what it is because I know what to look for. I don't have to look up what it is because there is a mark on it. I don't have to ask around. There's a mark on it. When I play golf, sometimes uh, my ball is in front of somebody else before we putt. And so what you do is you take your ball, you put a mark of where it is so that the other man can putt. I played the other day with some guys and, and a guy, and it was also a mark of I knew who it belonged to. He put a marker down, and it was a, a Pittsburgh Steelers. Right away, we had a prayer service. I cast the devil out of him. He's now serving the Lord. Amen. We've got football season coming up. I'm pretty fired up about it. But, but thinking about that mark, uh, uh, marking the ball, I know if I go back, because of my mark, I know where I belong. Oh, it's going to get in your spirit here in a minute. January 1st, for years, you ladies might testify when I talk about this, for years, Dillard's had a sale. And it wasn't just any sale, was it? What? <laughs> She's all getting into it. <laughs> She's like, it's amazing. Y'all, I remember going in there and buying Ralph Lauren polo shirts for like 15 bucks. But here's the deal. You would have to go in there at like 6 a.m. in the morning, and they would tell you, it's the only, only the things that bear the yellow mark. And I would be, I'd be going through some polo shirts, and, and uh, I would get past the smalls and the mediums and the largest. <laughs> and they would put the big boy ones down at the bottom, Pastor Robert. But I would be bearing through there. And it reminds me of the, the word of God in Chronicles where it says, the eyes of the Lord look to and fro. He's looking for a mark. He's looking for someone who will bear my name and do the principles of God. I think, about, I think about this. Addison just had some body work done on her car. And uh, she got hit in the parking lot. 
at, at her school and had some other dents on top of that. And while we were gone on vacation, I had it done. But every time she pulled up, I could see what it had happened to her. See, you might have some marks on you, maybe of a car wreck or a surgery. I've got them too. But what do they do? They remind you of what has been done. Listen, let's put it the other way in the book of Ezekiel here. He said, I'm going to put a mark on those who bear my name. Think about this. When you wear the mark, you wear a, you wear a mark of what has been done. So when you wear the mark, you don't have to be reminded of what the Lord did to you in 1988. You might be going through something in 2023 that may be a big mountain. But when you wear the mark, you remember of what something God did to you in 2005. You remember of what something that God did to you in 2008 and 2009 and 2010. You remember those things. How many of y'all know we need to remember that the Lord is good and that His mercy endures forever? We need to remember the times in our life that he pulled us out of the miry clay and he set us on the rock to stand. You might be going through something big today, but I'm telling you, if you just remind yourself, he forgave you when nobody else would. He gave you a second chance when nobody else would. So I don't know about you, I want to wear the mark that's standing up for the truth, standing up for righteousness, I'm standing up for what God has in store for me. We've got to wear the mark tell you there's a lot of people that they may call themselves Christians they may call themselves uh, believers but they're not wearing the mark and over the next couple of weeks I'm going to be talking about this I'm going to go through the the book of Daniel in Daniel we see this we see that it's six books of history and six books of prophecy and that's the only one that does that but I believe this it's because of I mean y'all know the devil has no new tricks what was going on in Babylon, transgender, homosexuality, all of those t- different things. See, the history of that, and then it talks about the prophecy. C- come on, can I tell you? There's a reason that it's that way, because history will prophesy to you. The devil has no new tricks in the way Daniel got out. He was promoted four different times by four different Persian kings, and he did not think Act or believe like any of them did, but God used him. You know what we need today is we need Daniels that have a mark on them that's saying, I am standing true to the word of God. We need parents that have a mark on their life. We need husbands that have a mark on their life. Come on, we need believers that have a mark on their life. So, I... I had a whole different message. It was going to go out of the book of John, start with Daniel. Y'all be here next week. Who's going to be here next week talking about marked, all right? I'm not talking about Mark. I'm talking about being marked. Now have your Bibles. Open them up to the book of Mark, chapter 14. And I want to show you somebody and give you an example of somebody who was marked in Scripture. How many of y'all were here? Let me see a show of hands. Anybody here for Camp Me? Just a handful of you. I, uh, I, I preached this sermon a little bit differently at camp meeting but there's some things inside of this open your ears I've heard this before the best messages are preached five six seven eight nine and ten times amen there's people that come to church and said I've heard that message before we'll get the fork out and regurgitate it on somebody this week and come back hungry the next amen all right so mark chapter 14 I see a story here of somebody who has a mark on their life are you ready Put it on the screen. Mark 14 and verse 1. It says, It was now two days before the Passover, 
And the festival of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were searching for a deceitful way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But they were saying, not during the festival, for the people might riot. Verse 3. When he was in Bethany. Everybody say Bethany. Everybody say Bethany. As a guest at the home of Simon the leper and reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster vial, a very costly and precious perfume of pure nard, and she broke the vial and poured the perfume over his head. We know this to be Mary through the, through the rhythm of the Gospels or the harmony of the Gospels. But there were some, some who were indignantly remarking to one another, why has the perfume been wasted? This is Judas. We see this in the book of John. For this perfume might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the money given to the poor, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, <clears throat> let her alone. Why are you bothering her and causing trouble? She has done a good and beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you wish, you can do something good to them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. She has done what she could. I want to tell you, I want to ask you the same question. Are you doing what you can? Well, pastor, I can't play the guitar. I can't sing. I don't know how to play the drums or the piano or run the sound. Minister to kids. There's something you can do. Just throwing that out there. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, where, wherever the good news regarding Salvation is proclaiming throughout the world what she has done will be told in memory of her. You believe there is a mark on this girl. There's some things about this story that I want to unfold to you to show some characteristics of somebody who is marked. The first thing that I really want to get at is you need to see the location of where they are. They are in Bethany. This is not a new place for Jesus. This is a place where he would go hang out with his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We see in the uh, the book of Luke, where he goes to their house, and Mary is, is, is at the feet of Jesus. Every time we see Mary, she is at the feet of Jesus. And Martha's in the kitchen cooking. Martha gets a little bit out of shape with Mary. But we see in John chapter 11, his friend Lazarus is sick, comes sick, is ill, dies. Three days later, Jesus goes to the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't say come forth because there would have been 400 people come out of the grave. He called him by name, Lazarus, come forth forth and he came forth so this isn't the first time that he has been at this place you also need to know this that he's at Bethany here and he's at the home of Simon the leper this was a gathering place where people had been under the influence obviously and ministry of Jesus Christ because during this time it doesn't you were a leper never did that happen you either are a leper or you're not we see in the, the book of Luke as well of the ten lepers that come to Jesus. And he said, go down the river, be, made, made, be healed. And the one that came back was made whole. See, leprosy, they would lose ears and nose. The one who was made whole, he grew all those things back. Nine of them were healed, but only one was made whole. Leprosy was not something that just went away. You had to have a miracle from God for it to happen. So as I think about this, this is a house probably full of people that have been influenced by the teaching of Jesus Christ. Can I ask this question? Is this a room full today of people that have been influenced by Jesus Christ? All right. Well, this is a good story for you. So we see this lady. She shows up on the scene here. 
And she is to anoint the body of Jesus. The first characteristics that I want to point out to you about this story in Mark chapter 14. About this woman that is still being told 2,023 years later. And it's leaving a legacy on the lives of people probably all across America and the world today. Somebody else is probably teaching this somewhere. Of a life that has been marked. The first thing that she had on her life is she was intentional. Everybody say intentional. Everybody say intentional. See, when you are intentional about something, it has your mind's attention and your heart's affection. It's something that's at the forefront of your heart. It's something that you're thinking about all the time. You're intentional. You're intentional. When I'm intentional for my marriage to be good, when I eat my meal, I take my fork, I open the dishwasher, and I put it in the thingy. I'm intentional about those things. I'm intentional about not throwing my clothes in the laundry basket. See, if she was here, she'd be saying all kinds of stupid stuff. But I do it. I promise you, I do. How many of y'all know you got to be intentional about your walk with Christ? you got to be intentional in the morning to get up and pray and read the Word of God. you got to be intentional about the things that you put inside of your ears. I've been reading this last year. Those of you that know me, I read lots of books. love to read. I, and this just happened the last couple of years of my life. But... Um, this year I've read lots of history, I've read history on Abraham Lincoln and read history on uh, General George Patton and Crazy Horse and some Indians and different things. And even though it may not say the wording in the books that I've read, these people that have been successful in life, on the way home, I read The United States of Trump by Bill O'Reilly. Great, it's been a great read. In these particular texts, I see this, these people that are successful, they are intentional. Even the things that Trump said when he was president that drove us all crazy, he was intentional to say Because he knew what he was doing. He knew exactly the people that it would poke and the people that it would pull on. All of the, all of the strategies of Abraham Lincoln, of, of, of how he was intentional, the things that he did with Grant to, to win the wars, the Union over the Confederates, over Lee. I think about uh, Crazy Horse, the intention, uh, he was intentional about all of those different things. I'm just here to tell you, you've got to be intentional in your thinking. From Successful people are intentional about the things that they're doing in the morning that set themselves up, not for the end of the night, for the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the year. Are you hearing me this morning? Like intentional people, I, I, I told this story in the first service, this home we stay at, at Marble Falls, kind of nostalgic. It's got a, this deal called a VCR. Kagan doesn't even know what a VCR is. All right? And VHS tapes. And it's got this, it's got this closet full of all these VHS. And it's got uh, movies like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's got movies on there that I, I thought were great as a kid. Uh, and I repent of this. Like Ace Ventura. Hey, let's watch it as a family. It's really funny. Okay, we're turning this off. All right. It's got movies, uh, <laughs> but one in there called The Great Outdoors. Y'all ever seen The Great Outdoors before? John Candy and Dan Aykroyd? Well, in the movie, if you've ever seen it before, you know where, where, where he has the gun with the, the light bulb on the end, and he shoots the bear and, like, makes him bear-butted on, on the back of it. But anyways, that's a whole different part of the, the, the movie. But in that movie, in the very beginning, they're going on a family vacation together to the lake, and John Candy... He shows up with a station wagon, and uh, I mean, let's just face it, they're hillbillies. And then Dan Aykroyd shows up, and he's, he's smoking a stogie. He's from back east, and he's got a Mercedes Benz. 
His girls are twins, and I mean they are dressed to the hilt. His wife looks sharp, everything about them. And the, and the, 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 the next scene, they all see each other that morning. The next morning, they're sitting on the back porch drinking coffee. He looks at John Candy, and he says, John Candy, what do you see? John Candy's looking out across there, across the lake, and he said, I don't know. I see water and boats and deer over here grazing. He goes, what do you see? And he said, I'll tell you what I see. I see, I see trees that can be turned to energy. I see this water, if you dam it up over here, it'll, it'll turn to money. He starts seeing all these different things. See, there's a reason why one was driving a Mercedes and one was driving a station wagon. Because he was intentional about the, even the things that he looked at. I'm telling you, in your walk with Christ, is it all right if I use life parallels to our walk with Christ? Because your walk with Christ is life. Are you hearing me this morning? So what I see about this particular story right here, it says a woman came with an alabaster jar. This is a very expensive, more than a year's wages. So take your year's wage of what you made last year and put another quarter on that. This is how much this perfume was. This wasn't any perfume. This was what wasn't perfume she wore to work. This wasn't perfume that she wore with her friends. This was a perfume that she wore for a special event. This was probably a perfume that was in her dowry. It had heritage. It was full of tons of money. This was un- and, and this might be unusual for us, but this, was, this happened all the time for them. It would be unusual if we were at Thanksgiving dinner and my little brother Wesley walked up behind me and poured oil all over my head. How many of y'all know that would be weird? Now, if it was Thanksgiving and he poured my mama's gravy over my head, come on, somebody, all right? <laughs> Thank you for that anointing gravy. Right, praise the Lord. We might have more people here if we use that instead of oil, but praise the Lord. Uh, that's just a thought, all right? We'll anoint you with gravy. But this was unusual for, for us, but it wasn't for them. She knew Jesus was there, so she prepared. I want to ask you the same question. You know Jesus is here every Sunday morning, but are you prepared? I don't want to just come to church to have another service. I got cities to build and contracts to fill and other things that I could do in my life. But when I come to church, I want to be prayed up. I want to get in the presence of God before I even set foot in the door. How many of y'all know that ride to church is some of the craziest ones out there? That's when your wife goes crazy. That's when your kids go nuts. That's when people pull out in front of you. Y'all are looking at me like I, I'm the only one this happens to. Liars. How many of y'all know that happens? But how many of y'all know we got to get in the presence of God and be intentional that Jesus is here. And I'm going to be intentional and be prepared when I get here. And it wasn't just a little poor. It was all of it. You know, sometimes you think, you know, I'm just going to go to church and I'm just going to give a little something to help out. And I'm not talking about money. And I just want to tell you this, God doesn't need your help. He doesn't need your help. If you're thinking, if I give ten more dollars in the offering, God is not up there thinking, you know what? With this ten dollars, I'm going to be able to finish the streets of gold in the east wing of heaven. With this fifteen dollars that JC gave today, I'm going to be able to feed the cattle on a thousand hills. Feed's gone up at H, F, and C. But you know what? J.C. made a way. No, he doesn't want your help. He wants your heart. God doesn't want your help. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. And when you're intentional about something, it has your heart. That's why it makes brownie points, men, with your wife. 
When you said, I want to go on a date Friday, and I'm picking the place, which goes good, sometimes it doesn't, but I got the babysitters, and I was intentional about all of those things. What does that tell Brandy? You've been on my heart all week that I can't wait to spend time with you. I'm telling you, intentionality will take you places that you can't go on your own. When something has your heart, you're intentional about it. Intentional in its expense because she saw value in the person she was giving it to. I want to be intentional in my worship. Come on, how many of y'all know we need to be intentional in our worship? This morning we sang about a living hope. Hallelujah. Praise the one who. What is it? Set me free, hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. See, when I sing about that, I can't help but close my eyes, raise my hands, and glorify God. You know, in the Old Testament, we got worship all wrong today. In the Old Testament, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but when they went to a worship service, the Bible says that after the earth flooded, Noah got on the ground, they had bulls and bullocks, he set fire to them, and... and the Bible says it was a sweet, sweet aroma to God. I want to ask you the same question. During a worship service, that was a worship service. During a worship service, are you giving up sweet aroma to God? During a worship service, they would kill things, have blood all over their hands. They would have ash all over their face. And when they went somewhere else, they knew where they had been. I want to ask you the same question. Does people know when you've been in the presence of God? I want to be intentional about my worship. This worship team was not hired to sing for you. Amen? They, they're, not here to, they're not here to lift their hands for you. Come on, some of y'all, I've said this before. We've had to get the back of these cushions replaced because men grip a hold of them so tight during a worship set. Come on. There ain't nobody in this room has done for you, has done for you. I want to be intentional about my worship. Number two is this. It says, a very costly and precious perfume of pure nard. She broke the vial. This is Mary here. The second thing I see about her that's marked her life is she is sacrificial. How many of y'all know, I, I've shared this before, especially in your giving. There's, there is strategic giving, which is your tithing. There is spontaneous giving, maybe on the side of the road, God puts it on your heart to give a 20 to the guy that's standing there with the sign, or maybe you're standing in line for popcorn and God put it on your heart to buy popcorn for somebody else at the movies. That's spontaneous. But I'm telling you, the one that opens doors in your life is sacrificial giving. David said this, I won't give anything to the Lord that don't cost me something. This is over a year's wages, but also how she did it was sacrificial. When she poured it out, she knew there was no getting it back. See, if I took this bottle of water right here and I poured it out on this carpet, I can't pull it out of the carpet and put it back in the bottle. You know what this tells me about her? She knew this. I'm going to the place where Jesus is. I'm going to be intentional about it. When I get there, I'm going to sacrifice what has cost my family and me something. And I'm giving it to Jesus. There's no plan B. He can have it all because everything that I have is because he gave it to me. These are things that will put a mark on your life. Say, I want the mark, not the beast. Amen. All right. 
It's not about the size of the gift. It's the size of the sacrifice. Here's the third one that I see right here. It says, some were indignantly... Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for more than a hundred denarii and the money given to the poor, and they scolded her. Now, this is Judah speaking. This is the one who sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And if you know anything about history, a slave was bought at this time for 30 pieces of silver. This is a scumbag. He's greedy. I just want to tell you the same thing. It bothered the people around her. And when you bear the mark, you won't care about the people around you. The enemy doesn't have a problem with you giving, but he does have a problem with you giving extravagantly. We go to the NFR every year, and every year they have what people wear to the rodeo crazier and crazier stuff. I mean, men wear jackets that, that are nuts. Girls wear stuff that, I mean, I've said it before, it looks like they need an extension cord the night before when they, when they come out there. And can I tell you, there's people around them you can tell are bothered by what they wear. But you know who's not bothered by what they wear? The people wearing it. And other people wearing stuff. Because you know why? They've came to the conclusion they don't care about what other people think. Can I tell you right now? There is people that do not serve in this church because of somebody that they served with. Somebody didn't look at me right. Or somebody said this to me. They're people. Can I tell you, people will fail you. Your mom and daddy will fail you. Your grandpappy and your granddaddy or your grandmommy will fail you. The president will fail you. <laughs> I mean, y'all know people will fail you. I don't care if somebody that you look up to and ad admire. When people are led by the flesh on the inside of them, people will fail you. You know who will never leave you and never forsake you? Jesus Christ, our living hope. I just want to tell you this. She gave extravagantly, and there's going to be people, when you begin to have the mark on your life and begin to do what God's called you to do, be who God's called you to be, go where God's called you to go, there's even going to be family members that are going to think that you're nuts, you're crazy, you've lost your mind. But you can't keep go. You won't keep going if you rely on them. But if you rely on the one who has redeemed you, bought you back, set you free, delivered you from whatever you're going through, forgiven you when nobody else would, I'm telling you, that's when you're focused right. And I don't care. I don't care what anybody else thought. I'm going to give extravagantly. I'm going to worship extravagantly. Amen. I'm going to pray extravagantly. I'm going to study extravagantly. I'm going to get in the word of God. And not care about what other people say. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, Sow and reap so sparingly and you'll reap sparingly. The enemy doesn't mind little seed because he'll know you get little harvest. But he knows if you give extravagantly, you'll get big harvest. And when you begin to live extravagantly, that's when the enemy will come in like a flood like he's never came in before. So my question to you this morning is this. If you'll come, go ahead and come and play. Braden, I want to ask you this question. Will you break your jar? I want to ask you the question. Will you break your jar? Look what it says right here. It says, 
wherever I assure and most solemnly say to you, wherever the good news is proclaimed throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. The last thing that I see is this. The first thing that I see is intentionality. The second thing that I see is sacrificial. Number three is extravagantly. The fourth thing that I see about this particular story is she leaves a legacy. This is somebody who's marked. I want to ask you the question, will you break your jar? I want you to think about it. When she broke the jar and she poured it out, it not only prepared Jesus for burial, but it affected everybody that was in the room. Everybody knew that this girl had broken the jar. Everybody. It affected everybody in the room. There was not one person that didn't know that she broke the jar. I want to ask you, is there people in your life that didn't know you broke the jar? Is there people in your life, you're like, Pastor, this is going to be hard for me. Or, I, I'm, asking, I'm asking the question this morning, do you, bear, do you carry or do you, have, do you bear the mark? I'm asking, have you broken the jar? Well, well, well Pastor, it's weird. I, I, in my marriage, you, you, you want us to like start praying together? We haven't done that. We've been married for five years. You got to break the jar sometime. You might as well do it today. Why well, at my work, they nail me as so many, someone completely different. Here it's a little bit different, but there it's just hard. No, I'm saying, when you break the jar, there's some of y'all, you've given a little. Enough on a Sunday morning to get you by. But if you truly break the jar, there is a mark on you wherever you go. Someone smells it on you. Break the jar today. You know what I'm going to do on Monday? I'm going to break the jar. On Tuesday, I'm going to break the jar. On Wednesday, I'm going to break the jar. On Thursday, I'm going to break the jar. On Friday, I'm going to break the jar. When I'm shopping at Walmart. I'm going to break the jar. When I parent my kids, I'm going to break the jar. My relationship with my spouse, I'm going to break the jar. The things that I watch on TV, I'm going to break the jar. The things that I do alone with the door shut, nobody else is watching. I'm going to break the jar. When I'm on the internet surfing, I'm going to break the jar. When I'm on Facebook, peeping in on other people's lives, and before I post something or say something to someone that may be all truth but has no grace, I'm going to break the jar. I'm going to break the jar. So my question to you this morning is this. Is there a mark on your life? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, people of God, church family, can I tell you, we veered so much as a culture that the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro. Looking for people still out there, even in a sanctuary. Even in a sanctuary, He's looking for people that bear the mark.
You know what the best thing, Dad, you can give to your family? Is wear the mark. Moms, you know what the best thing you can do? Is legacy. Give to your family? Is bear the mark. You know what the best thing you can do for your neighborhood? Bear the mark. You know what the best thing you can do for your outside family, like uncles and aunts, nieces and nephews? Bear the mark. If you're in school, the best thing you can do for your classmates is bear the mark. I don't know about you, but I want to bear the mark. I want to bear the mark. I don't want to be someone who bears the mark. I want people to think about me and say, you know what? God's marked him. An anointing on his life. He stands up for what the word of God has to say. Come on, we're coming into a time to say nothing is to compromise. But we've got to do it with grace. We've got to do it with truth. That's what Jesus came to do. Won't you stand to your feet this morning? It's 12.06. I know some of y'all, Kentucky Fried Chicken's calling your name. But I want to ask this question. And I want you to be honest with yourself. This won't take long. But I believe there's, there's men in this room. There's women in this room. That at one time, you can say, you know, I've seen it a million times. People get out of a camp meeting. They go on to a walk to Emmaus. I've never been on one. I've seen people, though, that came off of I've seen kids go to camp. Be so excited about the Lord. They're bearing the mark. It's all over them. It's all over them. Come and do a worship set. It's all over them. You know where they've been. But slowly I see culture erase that mark. People erase that mark. Offense erase that mark. Under the sound of my voice, I believe there's people in this room. It's an altar full of people here this morning. If you're in this room and you're saying, you know what? At one time, I can say this, that I bore the mark. I wore the mark. But it's hard to see anymore. There's something that happens at an altar. Maybe there's sin in your life. There's something secretive that you think, that you think, oh, see, there's a great, you be here next week. I'm going to talk about grace and truth. But you can get so messed up in grace that you walk away. You can get so messed up in truth that you push people away. I'm asking you the question this morning. I'm not bearing the mark right now. I want you to come down here right now. Who is that? Amen. There's more than one. There's more than one. I'll come stand with him. There's more than one. That want to make a mark. You're not bearing the mark.
You're playing. Listen, this room is full of people that play games. I'm just being honest. You call yourself a Christian, but you're not one. Thank you for your boldness today for being up here. Come on, just lift your hands. Lift your hands. Just make a vow to God. Say, Lord, I repent. Just tell the Lord what you repent of. Just, just right now, say, God, God, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I've tried to do it my own way. I've walked away from you, your principles, your precepts. Lord, I know what's right. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. My conscience has been seared as with a hot iron. And so, Lord, I'm making a vow to you right now in Jesus' name. Making a vow that I will be the man of God, that these will be a women of God up here. Make a vow to wear the mark, to bear the mark. That where I go, people smell you on me. What I say, you in me. What I do, people see you where I've been, what I've done, what I do is a reflection of Christ in me, the hope of glory. So Lord, I just pray for these right now. Lord, I pray that you give them boldness to declare your word. Lord, I just pray for your anointing to go with them, to guide them, to direct them. Lord, I just pray right now that they're, they would not heed the voice of the enemy. That they would not fall back, but they would go forward. Lord, I just pray right now that they would be intentional. Live a life that's sacrificial. Extravagant. That they would be that person that would leave that legacy, God. And so right now, I just pray, God, that as these have your heart, they bear your mark. Make old things new. May the dead fall to the ground and new life bud forth. In Jesus' name. Heal this broken heart. Heal this broken heart. Stay in an attitude of worship. Y'all stay right here. Stay before the Lord. Just tell Him. I'm going to do one more thing with every head bowed, with every eye closed. If you're in the room and you say, you know what, Pastor? I'm away from God. I don't know Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior, but today I'm going to invite him to come live on the inside of you. There's something that's tugged on your heart today. If you're out there and you say, you know what, sin's a part of my life. Sin separates from God. It's missing the mark. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The solution is Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When he died, he was the payment of blood. For your sin. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you're out there and you say. You know what? I've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. You want to invite him to come live on the inside of you. If that's you. Just lift your hand. Say that's me. That's me. Amen. I believe everybody's saved. People of God. Oh look at me. I know this is a hard message. But listen, if we don't stand, we will fall. If we don't stand, we will fall. I want to be someone who bears the mark. 
Let's bear the mark. Let's bear the mark. Come on. Let's bear the mark. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.